0: So let's open our hearts to God's word. We'll pray to Him and preach for us. Well, somebody say Amen. 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 I tell you, great worship tonight. I uh, I love a worshiping church. I just um, let me just tell you, this isn't going on everywhere in the country. Right. Right. It's just not. Just go on vacation and pick out a church, and you'll come to the realization that. What the kind of worship that we experience tonight? Uh, it, it just, it just, it just is not there. Right. It's not, and, and it's very special. And um, I'm a very emotional person anyway. And uh, you start cranking those songs out, and I get a little Baptistostal. I'm sorry. I just, I, it's just who I am. I don't hide it. I don't try to be somebody I'm not. I'm just a very worshipful person and just thankful for what God's done for me. Amen. Yeah, amen. He is a great God. Yeah, he really is. Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. My wife and I got to uh, spend some time with Brother uh, Reese and his sweet wife uh, for uh, a meal today. And um, I don't know, I know I don't have to tell you this, um, but you got a gold mine right there. Amen. And um, I'm telling you, um, those two combined with these two, um, the sky's the limit for Lighthouse Baptist Church. And uh, you parents of uh, teenagers, uh, rest assured that they are in good hands and that um God's going to do some wonderful, wonderful things uh, in the youth ministry here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Well, it is good to see you again tonight. Um, I know your pastor does not, and I certainly do not take it for granted uh, that you are here. I'm sure, as your pastor said, some of you came straight from work uh, and saw a brother in, back, back in there just a few minutes ago chowing down. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you always want to have a, a happy man in the service, and so I'm glad that, that he got fed. That's always a good thing. But uh, we don't take it for granted that you're here tonight, and um, I trust that the Lord will, will do a good work. Um, I want to encourage you again to uh, make every effort to be here on uh, Wednesday night as we um, do our best. Uh, to learn how to get through what we'll never get over. Uh, Many of us have, and all of us will eventually deal with tragedy. Uh, It's just part of living in this fallen world. And it can be devastating. I'm not going to pull any punches with you. It It can rock your world be very very devastating but listen it doesn't have to be destructive right. that is it doesn't have to destroy everything else that is good and right in our lives and with the Lord's help we're gonna, uh, we're going to try to learn how we can get through it now last night we, we talked about Letting the Spirit of God shine the light of God's Word into the deepest, darkest crevices of our hearts and highlight things that maybe we didn't know were there. Or maybe maybe we did know they were there. But we tried to hide it away. We tried to tuck it back in the corners of our heart because we didn't want to deal with it. And the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit last night, brought it up to the surface again and and shone the light of God's Word on it again. Either way, the, the focus of our time together tonight is something that needs to be dealt with. Because if it's not, it will serve as a a ball and chain, if you will, that will forever hinder your forward progress in your walk with God. If you're in Ephesians 4, let's begin reading in verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. There's another reason why we don't have to be born again and again and again. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I want you to pay close attention tonight to that last phrase, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. With the Lord's help, I want to preach a sermon tonight that I've titled Forgiveness, Healing the Hurt You Never Deserved. Healing the Hurt You Never Deserved. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10, and verse 8 record these words of Jesus Freely ye have received, freely give. Those words simply teach us that what God has given us, He expects us to pass on. Anybody here tonight been blessed? Listen, come on, every hand ought to go up tonight. That being the case, God wants us to bless others. If you've been cared for and comforted in your time of need, then he wants you to extend that same care and comfort to others in their time of need. Right. And by the same token, if you've been forgiven, then he wants you to forgive others in the same manner. Right. Now, we're obviously going to talk tonight about what forgiveness is. But before we get there, let's talk for just a a few brief moments about what it's not. And I'm not going to elaborate on any of these tonight. I just want to kind of toss them out there. You can write them down. Or if you want them after the service, I'll give them to you again after the service. But let me just give you some thoughts about what forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not saying that my hurts don't matter. Forgiveness, or excuse me, forgiving our offender doesn't minimize the seriousness of the offense against us. Number two, forgiveness is not letting the offender get away with it. If someone wrongs us, listen, he or she is answerable to God. And he will deal with that person in the right way. Number three, forgiveness. This is a big one. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Unfortunately, some people think that if they can't forget about the offense, then they haven't forgiven it. But think about this tonight. If I I were to come down off this platform and hit you in the face with my fist, you may eventually forgive me for that but you will never forget it, ever. So just because you remember or recall an offense from some point in your life doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. Number four, forgiveness is not a weapon. In other words, forgiveness or forgiving someone doesn't give us the right to manipulate them at a later date By dredging up reminders of their forgiven offense. Number five, forgiveness is not reconciliation. We may forgive, but we may never be brought into a right relationship with the person who has wronged us. Because he or she may not be willing to cooperate. And number six, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. You can't do it on your own. You need God's Spirit to help you. Now, before we get into exactly what forgiveness is tonight, let's get a definition that will will help guide us through the rest of the message. And here's what I'm talking about tonight. When I talk about forgiveness I'm talking about a decision To release a person From any obligation they incurred When they hurt you Let me say that again It is a decision To release a person From any obligation they incurred When they hurt you. In other words. They no longer owe you an explanation. They no longer owe you an apology. They no longer owe you repayment. They no longer owe you anything. Because you are releasing them from everything. We're hearing a lot of talk right now about. Forgiving student loan debt. Let's not get too started here, but (laughs) here's what they're talking about. They're talking about releasing them from the obligation they incurred when they borrowed the money. That's the very same thing that we're talking about Tonight, what what the government is saying, listen, we're releasing you. You don't owe us anything. We don't need an explanation of why you haven't paid it. We don't need an apology from you for not paying it. Obviously, we don't need you to repay it. We're releasing you from any obligation that incurred. So with all of that in mind, let's consider tonight what real grace-based forgiveness is. you're taking notes, here's number one. Remembering, it's remembering how much I've been forgiven. What what did Paul say? Be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you mark in your Bible, would you please circle or underline that phrase, for Christ's sake. And then out beside that, write the word grace. God didn't forgive us because we earned it. God didn't forgive us because we deserved it. Very clearly, it's right there in black and white. He forgave us for Christ's sake. And in turn, we forgive others for Christ's sake. Number two, real grace-based forgiveness is relinquishing my right. To get even. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse 19, Paul wrote and he said, Dearly beloved, he said, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, some people struggle. With those verses in the Bible that they don't understand. But I'll be honest with you tonight, that's not my greatest struggle. My greatest struggle is with verses in the Bible like this one that I do understand. Don't get even, don't retaliate, don't seek revenge. Don't wish harm to those who, who have hurt us? Then what am I supposed to do? Forgive. Well, that's not fair. Who said anything was fair that's right. about forgiveness? There's a word for fairness it's justice. Justice is fair. Forgiveness is grace. We don't deserve forgiveness. Every one of us here tonight deserves justice. Why aren't you glad tonight that God doesn't deal with us in justice? None of us would be here, preacher, if he did. If if God, well, I just want what's coming to me. You really don't. You really don't. Because listen, if all if we got what we've got coming to us, it'd be hell. That's the bottom line. That's justice. That's right. That's what we deserve for our sin, putting Jesus on the cross. Our being in hell would be justice. Listen, I'd rather have God's forgiveness than His fairness any day. And isn't that interesting how we always want justice when it comes to others? But when it comes to us, we always want Grace. And let me just share this thought with you real quick about justice. Forgiveness, please get this, forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It entrusts it to God. When we forgive, what we're saying is this, God, I trust you. I trust your word. And I believe that in the end, you will do right. That being the case, we, could, we would have to say that refusing to forgive means that we are unwilling to trust God. We're unwilling to take God At His Word. And somehow we get the idea that, well, well, God's just going to let them off the hook, and God's just going to let them slide, and I can't stand to see that happen, and so I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. Listen, we don't have to do that. Now, there isn't any indication in God's Word that He's going to deal with them how we think we ought to deal with them at the time that we think He ought to deal with them with the severity that we think He ought to deal with them. Listen, that's none of our business. That's God's business. I said a few minutes ago, God will one day settle the score Himself. Mark it down, friend. And he doesn't need our help. One day, one day, he's going to right all the wrongs. And you can take that to the bank. So forgiveness is remembering how much we've been forgiven. It's relinquishing our right of what we feel is our right to get even. Then number three, it's responding to evil with good. Look at it again. Paul said, And be ye kind one to another. I remind you of these words Found in Christ's Sermon on the Mount. But I say unto you. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Remember. Remember. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you. But how do we know when we've done that? How how can you tell If you have genuinely forgiven someone, I would say that is when you can do good to them and pray for them. Do good to them and pray for them. Now, it's not launched on me tonight that that is a very, very high standard. As a matter of fact, my friend, it's so high that you can't do it. I can't do it. But God can do it through us. But when you come to that place, Where you can pray, God bless the person who hurt me. I believe that you'll know that the process of forgiveness is complete in your heart. Which brings us to one more thought (coughs) forgiveness is remembering how much we've been forgiven. Relinquishing our right to get even. It's responding to evil with good. And then here's really where I want to hone in for a, a little bit tonight it's repeating the process as long as necessary. Repeating the process for as long as necessary. For the next little bit I want to talk about two things I want to talk about the point of forgiveness and then I want to talk about the process of forgiveness the point of forgiveness is a definite time when you consciously and deliberately choose to release a person from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you my friend perhaps the greatest the greatest moment for you during this revival will be tonight When you do just that. When you consciously and deliberately release whoever it is from any obligation they incurred when he or she hurt you. At that point, you're not looking for vengeance. You're not trying to get even. You're not wishing for bad things to happen to them. And you're not focusing on their failure. At that point, you're done with all of that. You hear me? Yes. You're done with all of that. Because you have released them. Again, it is a conscious, deliberate moment in time. We talked Sunday morning about, uh, about how our spiritual birth is a, is a deliberate. And and, and memorable point in time, and I'm telling you, when you come to the point of forgiveness, it will be every bit as memorable as the day you got saved. Because I'm telling you, there is life changing. Power in forgiveness. So we have the point of forgiveness. We we okay tonight? All right? Now let's talk about the process of forgiveness. At the point of forgiveness, you say, I choose to forgive you. say, man, that's hard. What's going to get harder? Because through the process of forgiveness, you learn to say, I will treat you as though it never happened. (laughs) It's hard enough getting to the point of forgiveness. But I'm telling you, the real struggle This is real life tonight. The real struggle is when you begin working through the process. Because here's what happens. With the Lord's help, you get to the point where you can honestly say, I forgive them. That is, you release them from any obligation they incurred when they hurt you. You're done. However, you're not anywhere close to being able to treat them as though nothing ever happened. Listen, these These two things are not simultaneous. Okay? There's a moment when you say, I'm done. I'm releasing him. I don't need an apology, an explanation, a repayment. I'm done. And then you go to Walmart. (laughs) And there they are. Sorry, bro, didn't mean to wake you up. (laughs) What a clown. I love love you. I love you. Dude, you ruined the moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? And all of that comes back. All of that anger. All of that hurt. All of that bitterness. All of that desire to wrap your hands around their neck and just choke the life out of them. It all comes back. So what then? When you fail in the process of forgiveness, You go back to the point of forgiveness. You go back to that moment in time. That Monday night in June. When on your knees before God. You said, Lord, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. God I, I release I, I'm releasing them I want to get on with my life and you pray for God's grace and you start the process all over again and listen to me tonight if you will do that faithfully I promise you from personal experience that you will get free from the burden of unforgiveness. Katie and I enjoyed a a wonderful wonderful ministry as the pastor and pastor's wife of fellowship baptist church i've never known another church i was saved there as a bus kid i joined the staff in 81 I, i i served in the ministry as a staff guy until 2000 and then I assumed the pastorate in 2000 and pastored for 20 years. I've not known another church. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is to, to be a member of another church or to minister in another church on a full time basis. I don't know. And we had a wonderful ministry. Pastor Bruce, we got to lead some of the kindest, most supportive, forgiving, loving people God ever created. At times, and we've talked about it, at times, it's almost embarrassing, we felt like God's pets. I'm serious, because he was so good to us. I don't have a bunch of pastoral horror stories to tell you. And in all honesty, there was only one really bad incident. But that one caused us enough heartache and heartbreak for a lifetime. I'll not go into all the, the details tonight. But it happened at the hand of a, a deacon and his wife. What made it worse was I was his youth Pastor. She was a pastor's daughter who saw her daddy leave a church that he had ministered in for years simply because he became the recipient of the same kind of ill treatment that they were treating us. Outside the death of our son, we have never experienced hurt like we experienced as the result of that incident. And I'll be honest with you tonight, I really struggle. With forgiveness. Just being transparent tonight, I did. I struggled with forgiveness. But I remember very clearly, very clearly, the afternoon in my office. sitting behind my desk I had a high back maroon chair here and an end table and another high back maroon chair right there. And I got up from my desk and I fell on my my knees in front of that chair and I said, God I'm done. This is destroying me. I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good father, I'm not a good pastor. I am eaten up with bitterness and hate and anger and unforgiveness. And God, right now, the best I know how, I'm telling you, I'm done. They don't owe me anything. I just want to get on with my life. And I got up off my knees. And I started the process of forgiveness. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I got to Walmart. (laughs) There's the bad things happening. (laughs) and I turned the corner and there she was I can't even begin to describe to you the shaking and just all of that came flooding back and so I went back to my office and I got on my knees God, I meant it. I meant it when I said I let them go, and I released them. And Lord, I, all of all of what I was feeling then, I'm feeling now. God, help me, please. I'm done with this. I can't live this way. Spent some time there on my knees before the Lord, Recalling that moment just a week or so previous to that. That I had released them. I got up off my knees. And I just started living my life again. The process again.
1: (laughs) And then Katie and I are out
0: eating. And then they walk. instantly sick at in my stomach. Just the sight of them. I hope you're okay. I'm just being honest with you tonight. Just the sight of them. Nauseated me. And I'll be honest, it wasn't so much what they did to me, it's what they did to her. You can do anything you want to to me. she leave my wife alone. So it was back to my office. Back to the point of forgiveness. Where I honestly meant it that day with all of my heart. And I spent some time with the Lord. And then I'm trying to to get back at it. And it was several weeks, maybe a month or so. And I'm preaching a funeral. I'm I'm sitting on a platform waiting to to approach the pulpit and, and have the congregation stand. And they walk in. The goal of showing up at Fellowship Baptist Church. What kind of vile person do you have to be to come back here What really bothered me is I knew at the end of the service, I was going to stand at the back of the auditorium with a gasket and people were going to come by and they were going to want to shake my hand. And he had the audacity to extend his hand. Back to my office. It wasn't just a short time after that. I'm doing a wedding. And they show up at the rehearsal at the at the reception. And they're mingling around like nothing ever happened. Just loving on everybody. Everybody's good. And so here we go. (laughs) And here's what I want you to understand tonight. Here's what I found. That every time I failed in the process and went back to the point of forgiveness. Every time, I was a little farther down the road. Yeah. <laughs> that make sense? Yeah. Every time, preaching, yeah. I was a little farther down the road. And honestly, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If they walked through those doors tonight, I would be okay. Amen. Amen would she'd be okay because since then our paths have crossed they were at transition Sunday on August the 7th of 2020 they watched me walk out of the pulpit and watched my son walk into the pulpit and you know what it was okay it was okay because the process was complete it took some time and there was a lot of failure and I'm, I'm not got some kind of super Christian I've just I've just borne my soul to you tonight to tell you that what I'm teaching you tonight is born out of personal experience. But I'm telling you, you can get there. You can get there with the Lord's help. Well, that's, that's all well and good for you. But you just don't understand, Brother Prater. I don't know what they, those people did to you and your sweet wife. I'm just telling you now, you don't understand. You, you just don't know the depth of my heart. I could never forgive And if that's what you're thinking tonight, you're right. And you're wrong. You're right. I probably don't understand the depth of your hurt. And I don't mean to minimize it in any way, shape, or form. I don't pretend that it was anywhere even close to mine. My friend, you're wrong if you think you can't forgive. I want to show you. What I'm about to read to you is an email that I received from a godly lady in our church. The Sunday afternoon after I preached this message on a Sunday morning. And at the end of her email, she said, Pastor, please feel free to use this anytime God gives you the opportunity. Please take the liberty to use my story. Her email began, like this, everything went south when I turned 11 years old. She then continues to write, up until then, I guess my life was okay. My family was dysfunctional and I knew that. My mom was a teenager when I was born having been seduced by a much older married man. As a single mother, she didn't have the experience to survive on her own, so she did what she thought was best. She married. The only problem was she married a drinker. Her family and friends warned her, but she said that she loved him and could change him. So I got a daddy and some more siblings over the course of the next few years. Daddy was definitely not the endearing title one would imagine when referring to my father because he did not incorporate the loving, kind qualities of a daddy. Instead, he drank, cussed, physically abused my mother, and verbally abused us kids. Then, when I was around 11, verbal abuse became the least of my troubles. I was awakened one night by the smell of alcohol and the hoarse whisper in my ear, Don't tell mama. What followed is something I care not to describe. In my adolescent heart, the abuse I was subjected to fostered a deep set of very complicated feelings. Anger, confusion, fear, anxiety, and frustration, to name a few. The disgust I had for my dad grew and festered inside me until it was like a malignant tumor engulfing my soul. It permeated every area of my life. When I was in my late teen years, I accepted Jesus as my savior. But I did not deal with my anger from a biblical perspective. And the burden and shame I carried inside would take its toll over the next 10 to 15 years. I married, had children, But I never told my husband about the abuse. The hatred and shame I felt still ripped my heart. She says, unforgiveness is a hard taskmaster. I began to have physical health problems. I couldn't sleep at night. I had to have surgeries. I was falling apart. My marriage was in trouble. I feared that my husband would hurt our children the way my dad had hurt me. My husband could sense that there was something wrong, but I couldn't verbalize my feelings. A wall went up between us. I was an emotional basket case. Fear, hatred, and anger were growing bigger. And bigger in my heart. Then, by the grace of God, I finally realized that the anger and hatred I had in my heart was not hurting anyone but me. As I began to grow closer to the Lord and to live in His Word, a thawing began to happen in my heart I began to heal God's word became my closest friend and a fountain of grace began to flow over my wounded soul eventually I was able to share my story with my husband Our relationship began to improve and more than that my feelings for my dad began to change. It is truly a miracle from God. But the hatred I felt for him began to melt. I started calling Dad on the phone from time to time. I could even visit and not think constantly about the past the whole time I was in his presence alcoholism and a wasted life took their toll and dad's health began to fail I was able to stand by his hospital bed and hold his hand and even ask him if we could pray together he was able to share his conversion experience and talk with me about heaven As a little girl, I didn't have the kind of daddy I could hug or cling to or depend on in times of trouble. But recently, I've been able to walk alongside my frail, elderly dad and chat as if there wasn't a care in the world and honestly know that there was no longer any Anger in my heart, and that the past is in the past. And she closed with this My heart feels at peace. Forgiveness can happen, but the process will be the same for you as it was for this person. You get closer to the Lord, you live in His Word, and you grow in His grace. Now let me ask you tonight, whose face has been in your mind's eye throughout the course of this message. Your mom, your dad, a sibling, a once close friend, maybe it's your wife or ex-wife <clears throat> or your husband or ex-husband could be one of your in-laws or one of your children one of your stepchildren how about a co-worker or a boss or another church member or church leader Just because you've seen their face doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. Remember, forgiving does not mean forgetting. This sweet lady in our church will never forget the story I just shared. What's important tonight is what you're feeling in your heart right now. That's the real indicator of genuine forgiveness. Are you angry? Bitter? If you could verbalize your feelings, would it be classified as evil speaking? you realize tonight that those things not only hurt you but according to our text they also hurt the Holy Spirit have you ever wondered why you just can't seem to get as close to God as others seem to be you just You just can't seem to develop that intimacy that so many other people seem to experience and and, and share about. It very well could be because of a spirit of unforgiveness. If you've not reached the point of forgiveness, where you have released that person from whatever obligation they incurred when they hurt you, that's where you need to begin tonight. That's where you need to start. And if you're currently struggling with with the process, I'd encourage you to come and just ask God for the added grace that you need. To begin again. Because the spirit of unforgiveness. It's not hurting them. Let's be honest. They're out there living large. They're out there having a great time. And that's one of the things that really aggravates you about the whole thing. They're just living like nothing ever happened. look on Facebook and there they are. You know what that tells us tonight? It tells us that our unforgiveness is not affecting them. It's only affecting us. And the devil is using that at every turn. How about tonight? You say, devil, no more. No more. I'm releasing them. I've got to get on with my life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what your need is tonight. I, I am confident that I preached what the Lord wanted me to preach. May be somebody here tonight, and really what you need is forgiveness. Because you've never received Christ as your Savior. And so tonight, all of this needs to begin with you saying, God, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. And for my saved friends here tonight, Just do what God leads you to.